0: Welcome to Coaching for a Living, a podcast for coaches who want to build financially viable coaching businesses and make a living doing what they love. I'm your host, Alisa Barkan, and I am thrilled to have you here. Are you ready to take the next step in your coaching business? Let's go. Hello, hello, onion rings. Welcome back to another episode of Coaching for a Living, friends. This is going to be a very interesting one because we'll be talking about credibility as a coach and how to spot and avoid the opposite of it. I'm joined by Victoria Barker, the co-founder of Credible Coach. Several years after Victoria hired an unscrupulous coach who promised the world but dropped all interest after she paid, she started researching the industry and realized how common such experiences were. This led her to establish Credible Coach And by providing transparency and holding coaches accountable, Victoria wanted to make it easier for Credible Coaches to be identified, trusted, and ultimately hired. Credible Coach serves as a vetting service, which focuses on the success stories of past clients to ensure the coach has a track record of success, creating powerful change for their clients. Victoria, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So I've hinted to it in the introduction, but I'm sure people are very curious to know about the story behind building Credible Coach and why there is a need for such a service.
1: It's funny. It's one of the first questions I get. They go, go on, tell us the details. <laughs> yeah. um, so this this started when I had launched my first business. Um, so I'd launched an app and i've always been into the personal development space i always knew a little bit about coaching and the benefits that it had but i didn't know a huge amount in terms of what to look for and red flags and when i'd launched my app i realized i was suffering really badly from imposter syndrome to the point where i was procrastinating a lot and my actions due to my mindset was hindering my business progress and i'd You know, I'd spent years learning the app world and I'd got the coders in, so the risk was really high. And there was a coach that had been approaching me quite a lot since I'd launched the app and um, I had been kind of publicly talking about it. And from the first call, there was just a lot of pressure in the sense of, I will fix you. You will fail if you don't have me. And it triggered this kind of. I was in a vulnerable state anyway, thinking, "Oh, I'm, I'm likely to fail anyway." And I confided in him that he would have this solution. He would be this, you know, great savior that I needed in that moment to fix all my problems. Which, of course, you know, is, is no coach can promise anything. This was this was before really asking me any questions about what was going on. It was just kind of a. Oh, yeah, I've seen this loads of... Yeah, I can fix it. And so there was a lot of pressure and I was definitely in a very kind of, you know, vulnerable state and I'd paid for what I know now was way above industry average for the price. It was a lot of money. And then as soon as I parted with the money, all of his enthusiasm had pretty much diminished, uh, had missed our first session, arrived late to them, didn't follow up, had actually forgotten what we'd spoken about. Um, there was one, I think we got about 15 minutes in. He was just yawning, (laughs) yawning at me. I was kind of in this state of, oh, you, Like I feel that you've really taken advantage of that situation that I was in and now I'm left with less money when you're, you know, starting a business and every penny counts. My mindset was worse, like 10 times worse because now I was thinking, you can't even hire anyone properly. Um. And that, coupled with, you know, a couple of other things business-wise, I gave gave it up and I was just, this isn't for me. There was just, there was a few obstacles anyway, but I know that situation played a big part in it. So I'd spent years going to networking events and telling people how awful coaching is. I said, don't hire a coach. They'll do all this trickery with you to part with your money. Later, I came to realize that a lot of these testimonials were fake as well because I did a lot of deep dive in into his online presence and found lots of stuff, which I'm pretty much confident was fabricated and and buying followers and things like that. So I'd spent years telling people, don't hire a coach, don't do it. And when I was telling people about this, I was hearing other people's stories, quite a lot of other founders, particularly some professionals, mainly founders, because they were the kind of events I was going to. That had bad experiences as well. So that kind of flagged in my eyes. This seems to just be, at that point, I was thinking, oh, it's this is just coaching. Like, you know, they, they scam you. And it was only after meeting a woman that was a coach that started coaching me on the spot. And that opened my eyes up to what coaching actually should be. And it was the most transformative experience being coached by her. That it completely shifted my mindset on the entire industry. And I would definitely say without having that coaching with her, there's no way all of the things that had happened after it in terms of my career and personal circumstances, there's no way any of that could have happened without that coach. So in a sense, I'd seen the best and the worst. But unfortunately, I'd spoken to a lot of people that had only experienced the worst and were unlikely to ever hire a coach and give it another go. So long story short, that's how it opened my eyes up to the issues with the industry. And what, seven years later, after researching it and speaking to as many people as I could and coaches, I thought this is a place where, because I've had that experience, I feel I'm in a position where I could probably find some solution for it where I can speak on a client's level and understand their points of view, but also I've spoken to enough coaches now to be able to bridge that gap because I think coaching is, I think everyone should have a coach. I think it's the the most transformative service if you get a good, a credible coach. So that's why now I'm just very passionate about helping coaches that are doing good and that are creating that transformation. I want them to be found and the bad apples to be um to not be hired and to be you know seen for seen for what they are
0: yeah i'm so sorry you had to go through that experience but you know as a result of that you came out the other end yeah looking absolutely. to help coaches who are true coaches and who do offer transformation to their clients so in a way you had to go through that yeah. in order to be where you are now. Exactly. Yeah. You took one for the team. I like that. <laughs> you sacrificed yourself. Yeah. But so many people, so many other people have gone through a bad experience. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure. Like you say, they probably have not given it another chance. Now no. I know, um, You've been studying this for a while. So uh, yeah. how many similar stories have you heard since? And what's the most surprising or the most horrifying story you've come across so far?
1: Um, it's an interesting question. So I've been posting on LinkedIn for a few years now, just kind of ranting and raving about the good and the bad, which yeah. um, naturally in some way I've kind of formed into this, what people perceive as maybe it's a, a watchdog of the coaching industry. So I get quite a lot of messages And also coupled with when I was actually researching, so I have seen a lot of the bad that's out there, there's a number of stories actually, high pressure sales being one that I hear a lot, people telling Mm -hmm. them to go around to their neighbour's house and bang on the door and get money for the coaching and, and all these kind of things. I'd spoke to one girl, she was in the U S she had parted with $10,000. So that's probably, I don't know, about 7,000 pounds or something. And the coach had ghosted her. She didn't even get one session out of it. And because there was nowhere to go, she was saying, do I go to the police? You know, they're overseas, they're online. How do I trace them? And then I've had a, probably about four on LinkedIn that have asked me to support them in getting a refund. And the thing that I find probably slightly more worrying is the ones that are the horrifying scams, they kind of are quite obvious when you peel it back that it's maybe a bit of a scam and it's a high pressure salesman saying he's a coach and things like that that seem obvious. The ones that worry me are the ones that you just wouldn't think it at all. Mm -hmm. And because I've had people contact me asking You know, if I can support as a refund, because I think the benefit I've got with Credible Coach in the name, you know, people uh, really want to protect their reputation. So that's the only real avenue to go down instead of me pretending I'm the FBI or something. That's the only kind of avenue to go down where people will do it. And I see their LinkedIn and their social media and how they present themselves online online. And then I see the way that they speak to their clients, and it's two completely different people, and that's the ones where it concerns me because it's very hard to to tell. And when I digged a little bit deeper with a few of them, they hire um, like uh, personal branding agencies, PR agencies, to ghostwrite their content, to tell them how to speak, to tell them. Um, how to you know be perceived in a trustworthy way so it's all fabricated and then i look at the emails and they're absolutely disgusting there's no way you'd think they were the same person and then i've even had emails sent back to me that were quite threatening as well so i think that's the you've got two challenges is that you've got the people that are just out there trying to scan see it as a lucrative opportunity and you know they're the 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 big horror stories that you hear then also you've got this kind of i'd say kind of more undercover area because they are they've got a big following they're well known and well respected so people don't want to call them out as such and they get worried because they are maybe perceived as more influential so no one talks about no one really does anything to call those people out so that Just gives more fuel to the fire where they just keep doing what they're doing and this is predominantly in the business coaching side of it um Mm -hmm. granted business coaching i'd argue some most of it's mentoring but you know they call themselves a coach so from clients perspective you don't know like most people don't know the difference so i'd say yeah there's a number of horror stories um i've had a girl that said to me that she was grieving the loss of her mum and she spoke to a coach who basically used all of the grief that she said and basically said if you don't hire me then you know you'll never be able to cope again and all these awful awful things which again isn't it's not coaching like it's fully stepping over the line um yeah so she ended up in a much worse place because of it and then i've also researched the marketers in coaching so i've joined quite a few kind of you know like the high ticket marketing stuff to see how coaches are being told to market because you can't put a gun to someone's head and tell them what to do if a coach is quite desperate to get clients and there's a marketer promising the world to them and they invest i think it's about six seven grand or something for these um Mm. courses then they're going to do what they're likely to do what they say And um, I'd listened in on how they were treating the discovery call and it was high pressure, pretty much forcing you to commit to a coaching uh, to a coaching program that was, you know, six, seven grand, not letting them get off the phone. There was a woman there. Uh, I think she was going through a divorce with a husband, and it was really sad because you listen into these calls, and you can tell she's in a really um, just a lonely, vulnerable, sad place where she needs a therapist. She needs like she doesn't need a coach right now. She doesn't need goal setting. Like she's she's just in a bad place. And we were listening to this call, and she would she would put it on kind of mute and hear to the salesperson. It was like, drive it harder, drive it harder, do this, and ended up getting three grand out of her. And she said she hardly had any money. She was going through, you know, all these struggles. And it was the ones like that that I think are just so sad when you hear it because you could maybe, granted, you know, you can't force anyone to do anything, but you could tell the coach wasn't that way inclined naturally. They were being pushed to act that way and this as if that's the only way they get a sale so i think that's another challenge that you've got you've got this huge growth of high ticket marketers i get approached yeah. by them you know every other day um
0: yeah the six and seven figure promises oh, dangled in ridiculous. front of us every single day yeah absolutely
1: ridiculous and i think if you're in maybe a bit of a desperate state going, oh yeah 6 figures would be quite nice. You know, it would, wouldn't be insane to think that would be a normal thought process some people have, and you part with this money, then you're probably going to be pushed to, you know, potentially for some, if they're in a bit of a desperate place to get clients, they think that's what they need to do. So I also think the marketers, that's something I've been looking at quite a lot because some are glaringly obvious, but then there's others that maybe aren't so much and the way that they're telling people to approach selling coaching is not ethical in any way, shape, or yeah. form. And unfortunately yeah. it's the coach the coaching industry and the coach that gets the brunt of that, but they also need to be held accountable more on what they're telling coaches they need to do to be successful.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And those all horrible stories, everything that you shared, it's really not doing any favours to the uh to the coaching industry in general, no. especially an industry that's not regulated, and I know you've been you've been studying the market for a while now. Um, coaching has been booming in the last five to ten years. Whether it's true coaching or not, people still call themselves coaches. Mm. How do you how do you think people's perception of coaching has changed in the last few years?
1: It's interesting, actually. I definitely noticed a shift in uh, the pandemic. There was, Mm. I mean, business coaching kind of went through the ground for a second. uh, But personal coaching, I was getting quite a lot of inquiries, people asking me for personal coaching, because I think a lot of people, when the world stopped, they were left alone with their thoughts. And you know, decided is this the relationship I want, is this the career I want, do I want to start a business, do I want to do all these things, and it opened their eyes up to coaching might actually be a a good option to help me decide, so I'd definitely say I noticed a lot more people seemed to be open to coaching, a lot more people were asking me about coaching, quite a lot of people were making a lot of changes, big changes, a huge amount, I mean, I've seen so many career coaches or people that were business coaching moved to be more mm. career focused because so many people were changing careers or trying to figure out what they wanted to do. So in terms of that, I think it's been really good. It's been really positive. More people have been open to it. I'd say on the flip side as well, a lot more coaches have entered the market, which is, you know, it's great for a lot of reasons because, Coaching's a great tool. More coaches for for people, but I think it's getting harder to market. It's getting harder to differentiate, and I think some people are starting to get a little bit knee-jerky when you say you're offering coaching. They kind of initially go, "I don't need a coach. A coach can't save everything." I've you know I've, I've uh, heard these stories, so I think there is a side where there's still some work to do. But also I think some of the horror stories and some unethical coaching is just not helping that at all, which naturally when you've got a lot of people entering the industry, there's going to be a mixture of people that are, especially if they've lost their role, if they're just going in wanting money because they need money, Mm. then they're not coming from a place of their client's best interests at all, serving their clients. It's how can I make as much money as possible from this as quickly as possible? And, you know, yeah. from a client's perspective, that's not the best experience if you've got a coach that only wants, you might not even be a right fit for each other, but they've just taken you on and promised the world just to get money out of you. So I think that would be the flip side of it growing so much that that it's getting harder for people to differentiate between those two types of coaches.
0: Yeah, yeah you've pinpointed right there the big difference you know people who are coming into the market because they're in for a quick making a quick buck actually you can join the market whenever you want because it's an unregulated market you can call yourself a coach if you want to but i my guess is that it these types of situations happen less with people who are qualified trained coaches who actually know what coaching is and have been through a rigorous uh, training and abide to the code of ethics and everything, then it happens with people who all of a sudden wake up tomorrow morning and say, hey, I'm a coach. Let me just go and make some money. And it doesn't help that the marketers dangle the Mm. seven-figure, six-figure business in front of of people. So maybe they can be... uh, excuse from that point of view, but, um, really there's a, there's an awareness piece here and an educational piece about what coaching is and what it Mm. means and so on. So, um, speaking of that and to make sure that people who are looking to hire a coach don't fall for, for these traps and work with someone who's unscrupulous. What are some of the things that we need to keep in mind when we are looking to work with a coach ourselves?
1: It's, Yeah, so it's interesting when I was researching it, it was over 650 coaching schools globally and a very small percentage um, were, you know, uh, uh, accredited. And it's funny, I actually watched a kind of undercover, I think it was in Australia, they they arranged calls with uh, a number of different coaches that, you know, promised the world. And one of them had actually finished their the coaching qualification they said they had on the taxi there to meet them. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that really opened your eyes up to the different <laughs> the different types of qualifications. It's a case of get a certificate. I think that's where people don't know where coaching is versus mentoring training, because when people say, oh, I've been coaching all my life. You know, I've been I've been helping people all my life. You go, there's a lot more to it than that. I would say from my experience speaking to coaches and listening, uh, speaking to people, I'd say ones that talk more than they listen. I've had a couple of calls, discovery calls in the past where I've not got a word in edgeways. And then uh, they've just been telling me how brilliant they are. And then we've got to the end and they've asked asked if I want to be coached by them. I was like, do you know my name? I'd say that's definitely a uh, a big one. Also ones that come with the stance of, I'll fix you or guarantee certain outcomes. I've seen a lot and I understand from a marketing perspective, you know, you need to give some insight in what the possibilities are, which mm-hmm. uh, case studies are helpful to showing the possibilities. But when you promise a certain outcome to someone, um you know you you don't with the coaching process it could end up anywhere um I mean there's a number of times you know I've hired a coach for one thing in business and I've ended up talking about my personal life I feel like you'd, you'd never know the outcome of it. so I definitely say there um two parts of it and also the sales process, which is a big one I focus on a lot on um I don't think people should be high pressured sold to and their fears and vulnerabilities used against them to pitch a sale. And I think that's something that I hear from a lot of people that have had bad experiences, is that they kind of felt that they had absolutely no choice. And I've had calls with a few, and it's it's a horrible experience where you you wouldn't have a call with another coach again because your heart's going, you're thinking, you know, they're telling me it's my money blocker, but I'm saying, no, something's not right here. So yeah, so there, there are a few, but i definitely say, um, training, doing a um, online check as well. So, I've had a few coaches that have told me they're very experienced and all these things, and then I've gone onto groups and seen that they only started coaching a couple of months ago. So, I think just being authentic like, there's obviously people start somewhere that's absolutely fine. But I think again, maybe with the marketers that you need to get six figures straight away. You know, it's not it's not if you're just starting out. Then if you come in from a place of pretending that you've um, got a lot more experience with clients and coaching than you have to get a higher rate, um, Mm. then, you know, that's that's another thing that I've seen a a couple of times as well, which part of our kind of vetting process too. So there's a few things that we look out for, but mainly if it's, if they're uh, authentic, what their past clients say um, in terms of, did they feel they went deep enough? So I've had a few coaches that kind of kept things really, surface level, when I Mm -hmm. wanted them to maybe go a little bit deeper on certain topics to peel back the layers of an onion and see what the core reason is to why this is happening. But that didn't happen. And at the end of the call, it kind of felt that I just kind of had a very expensive chat with my friend. Like it wasn't, you know, a coaching conversation, it was just like a nice chat. And I think that's Mm. where coaching is really powerful when they get that depth and they ask questions that really make you go, oh, I haven't really thought about it that way. So that's another one in terms of my experience with coaches that have, I felt, have been transformative versus ones that either I felt scammed by or uh, was very average experience.
0: Mm. Well, I guess that last one is down to the training they've had as to what coaching is, how to do it, and possibly the experience that they've had coaching people and the confidence they have mm. to go deeper and to understand that the first answer that they receive is probably not the Yeah, absolutely uh, not necessarily not true, but it's it's not the core issue mm. or the core reason behind an issue. So that will come with time and, yeah. uh, and practice, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. But,
0: um, you, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want people listening in to think, oh, oh my yeah. God, what if I fall into, uh, the side of not being a credible coach uh, because I am trained and I am qualified and I have good intentions so what are some of the things that they can do to not accidentally fall on the wrong side of credibility yeah I mean
1: some of the suggestions were you're not coming from a place of integrity you're not being honest you're not being authentic in terms of if people make a mistake you know that we're all human at the end of the day when you start you make tons of mistakes. Everyone does. We're Mm -hmm. all in personal development because we're all kind of got that mindset of you fail, you learn, you fail, you learn and and keep going. So I would never, I wouldn't say in terms of going deep enough would make me think they're not credible at all. Because at the end of the day, if they're starting out with coaching, then if they're doing the right things and got the training and, and supervision, which will pull that up, um, mm. and help them in that process. You know, that's just a process of learning. I wouldn't blacklist someone because, you know, they're starting out with with coaching and, and then didn't feel they went deep enough. I'd probably say my role in, in it is being the bridge in the gap between what the public, what clients know, specifically individuals and uh, probably small businesses because medium business and organizations, they have their own departments. I bridge the gap between those people and good, credible coaches in terms of I make it clearer what coaching is, um, how that coach can help them. I check their certificates and actually say to someone, "Okay, so uh, the Coaching Academy—it's slightly different to uh, the Coaching Shed in Florida—that requires you to do an online course in ten minutes to get it, even though the certificates look quite similar." These are what Mm -hmm. the differences are and this coach has had supervision so they've had an extra pair of eyes watching what they're doing. So they're probably in a better position than this person that's really good at marketing and is telling you everything that you want to hear. And it's probably promising you things because that will push you to uh, think this will be a better option. But I'm giving you some insight into what I believe might be a better option is where I come into it more than I don't sit and observe a coach that is coaching. I will uh, look mm. at their certificates, supervision, things like that, and provide transparency on it instead of scrutinizing their, their every move as such. Um, so in terms of that, it's more kind of an educational piece. And I think from a client's perspective, just having someone to go to if things are not what they expect actually Mm -hmm. gives them that confidence to be able to invest in coaching and to do it and so far everyone's been very happy (laughs) i'm happy to be that person that will say i really vouch for this coach you can hold me accountable if you don't have a good experience i will fix it whatever happens um that's how confident i am in that they'll have a good experience or their expectations at least managed
0: yeah. So there's two sides of of credible coach, right? One side is the, the coachee, let's say, or a potential client will come to you and say, I'm thinking of working with this coach, or I have a choice between these two. What insights can you give me? Versus a coach who might come on and say, hey, I want to be what's the terminology that you use, certified as a, as a credible coach or or marked yeah, as a credible yeah, coach? Yeah, yeah.
1: So we have kind of the verified by a credible coach, which is right. uh, all the information they present has been checked, verified, and uh, what we have on the report we've collected and, and is all um, transparent.
0: Yeah. So the the aim would be that later on, once you, you build a uh, uh, a pool of coaches, let's say, who are already verified. When someone comes in and says, I'm thinking of working with this coach, what do you think? You can immediately say, well, yeah, it's in the database. We've checked them. Um, You're okay to go ahead. Is that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it it makes the process more transparent and just easier in terms Mm -hmm. of if someone says they're interested in coaching, they've got a vague idea of it all that we can send the report to them. And by the time they get to the end of it, they know what coaching is, they know what the past clients said, they know the types of clients they work with, they know their coaching style, uh, they've listened to past clients, they know what their training actually means, what's involved in it, all of that stuff, which a lot of people don't know. And there's a huge percentage of people, especially business owners as well, when you're researching that, or know they want to coach they know the benefits but taking that next step feels too risky so they're the people and, and even when we first started doing the report sending it to people and they were like yeah put me a call i feel that i'm i understand it enough now and i think that's where the big gap is knowledge and what it is and also that trust that they're in safe hands more than you know I was asked I was speaking to a coach the other day and they asked what the difference between me and the ICF was <laughs> Um, which I thought oh I need to change my marketing somewhere Something's gone wrong so I don't obviously I don't train coaching I don't supervise I'm not sitting there assessing their every move or giving accreditations that would yeah. be unethical for me to do so because it's not my area of expertise in terms of training mm-hmm. coaching I'm more of an awareness piece and a helping clients on the fence to get the information they need and have someone that's holding the coach accountable, but they're also holding me accountable that I'm providing Mm -hmm. the right information to them as well.
0: Yeah. Well, that sounds wonderful. (laughs) And I know you've got new things coming up and new things that have just launched, so I'm really excited to to see how the business progresses and we'll make sure to link everything in the the show notes so people can go and check it out. Uh, One final question, Victoria, where do you think the coaching industry is heading in the next five years? How do you (laughs) see it evolving?
1: And it's not robots, no. (laughs)
0: Um, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I I come from a very optimistic place in that, I hope in the next 5-10 years, coaching will be as popular as it is in the US. If we're going to follow the US trajectory, people have an awareness of coaching, people know the benefits, and I think most people in the US have a coach because they just know how good it is for their progression and goal setting. So I hope the UK will will get to that point. I'm feeling very optimistic about it. I, I, I do feel it will it will go that way. And for coaches, it will be much easier for them to sell and market their services because people actually know what they do, which always helps. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, well, I guess we will have to live and see. And uh, we'll see you back again in five years yeah and, uh, answer <laughs> the same question, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for, for your time, Victoria. Oh, thank you for sharing so, so openly. Um, it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Coaching for a Living. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to help the podcast grow, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with your coaching friends and colleagues. All right, that's it for today. I'm Alisa Barkin, and I'll catch you next time.